State of the Industry podcast. Welcome back to the State of the Industry podcast. I am your host, Adam Youngsma. In this episode, we continue with our conversation with Alex Cartmill, who is the project manager and head coach of the Online Trainer Academy. And we continue our discussion regarding the current state of the fitness industry and how online training can be beneficial to not only you, but your clients as well. So we hope you really enjoy it, and we'll see you on the other side. All right, welcome back. We are into part number two with Alex Carpmill. We were chatting a little bit off air here about this current situation with the pandemic and how the industry has changed. So it's never going to be the same, right? Absolutely. So what what do you think it's going to look like when all of this is done? Man, what a question. I mean. So, so first of all, I, I think, again, I think the shift in the industry that is going to be lasting has happened already. You know, I, I, I think the fact that this, this COVID situation has forced a lot of people out of work, it's forced a lot of people to explore new environments, especially online training. It's just a natural, if you still want to work with anyone, what other options do you have right now? Mm-hmm. Um, and, and this forces everyone into that thinking, even the people who in the past were, would not have been in that thinking. Um, you know, we're seeing massive companies go bankrupt. We're seeing what happens with Good Life and 24-hour fitness. And, you know, I, I, I don't think we're ever going to go back to completely normal again. With that said, you know, I think we're going to see a lot more, a lot more digital work. Um, I think a lot of people are, and we're seeing the same thing with working from home, right? A lot of companies are being forced to work remotely and they're being forced to see the benefits of it, or at least forced to understand what inherent advantages does this have that the in-person environment doesn't have and how can we take advantage of those benefits on an ongoing basis? Um, And I think the same thinking applies to online training. Okay, I'm forced to look at this online space now when I wasn't before. Sure, I knew it existed, Um, But I never really considered it seriously. And now I have to. And I think a huge, huge chunk of those people are going to recognize those inherent advantages of the online space and incorporate that into their services moving forward. Um, Which I think is really valuable. Because as we talked about in part one, that that ceiling, I think a lot of the escape route is having a digital component and taking back control. And basically, having fitness dictate business as opposed to business dictating fitness where you can make decisions based on what's best for you and your clients and you don't have to structure your services around what's going to make sense for the gym or 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 the business structure that i'm in yeah Uh, so obviously you know i there's there's a lot of downsides in this situation but from a high level um it's forcing people into environments i mean I think outside of fitness as well, to force people to be with family, it's forcing people to recognize what's truly important, what's not important, what have I been taking advantage of in the past that I shouldn't have been taking advantage of in the past. Um, And I think that thinking certainly applies to fitness and and everywhere. And so in that regard, 
I, I can't picture a lot of scenarios where we just snap back to normal after being forced into that mindset. It seems like once we're in this pool, we're there yeah. and things are going to change because of it. Yeah. It's, um, it's interesting. I've been talking with a lot of people about, you know, these, these reopenings and every, every location, everywhere is doing things a little bit differently at a different speed mm. and they're opening separate things. But the idea is like, so if, if gyms and restaurants open up tomorrow, do you think everybody's just going to start going back to gyms and restaurants? Certainly not. Right. Like it's not, that's not going to happen. Right. <laughs> so it's like, so what does that then look like? So we, we may have something like the, the, this fitness field, these personal trainers still be out of work even after things reopen for, for several months after, and it right. may never, may never go back to the, that, that, you know, quote unquote, what it was before, right? Exactly. And the social distancing and, and, and all these protocols, even when we start opening, exactly like you said, it's, it's, it's not going to be exactly how it was before. So even if, you know, things open in six months, a year down the line, things are open, but we're still in this environment, um, which it doesn't seem unbelievably unlikely that we will be obviously not being an expert in that whatsoever. Um, then how can it not be different? Because mm -hmm. the options are people, especially trainers, just aren't working. They're done working and they do something else, which sure, some will do, but the vast majority are going to have to pivot. Yeah. And a lot of that pivot is how can, I, how can I work with people and deliver these services in a remote space that doesn't require, you know, when life happens, I can still get paid. Yeah. I, it is a lot, there's a lot more flexibility and, and it's less fragility in the systems yeah. and when you have all your eggs in one bucket and life does happen we see exactly what's happening right now yeah it's actually really funny man there was uh there was a gym and i won't name names in in canada um that approached john goodman and i to basically say hey will you help build out our online services um basically build out our entire digital component of our systems and, and they're a pretty large gym so we said yes um, you know, we, we, we charged a, a, a very high fee. They turned it down for the fee and they ended up spending astronomical, more, astronomically more than what we would have charged building out more brick and mortar locations. And then COVID happened mm -hmm. and they, they continued to put more of their eggs in the same bucket and not prioritize the resiliency due to the, 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 the lack of short-term benefits from it. Yeah. And I think a lot of people are seeing that's, that's, that's not positive. Our business has to be resilient. We have to take steps right now, even though it might not have an immediate payoff to not put all our eggs in one bucket so that we don't have to always be scared that one little thing is going gonna, is gonna to topple everything. Yeah. Yeah. That reactivity that you, you spoke about in the fitness industry, like you were talking about it more from kind of the micro, like the, the trainers themselves, but even as sure. an industry in and of itself, it's very, very reactive to things. And yeah, I think we've done a, a very, very poor job at developing contingency plans for things when they do go awry. And I don't know if anybody saw this or expected this to happen to this extreme, but something was bound to happen that shook the industry and it just it, it shook every industry. Right. Um, and it will so, happen again. I mean, yeah, exact thing, but something that's going to shake the industry up that is going to amplify the lack of resiliency is, is of course going to happen again. Yeah. So with that said, 
can we now look into like, we've got a whole bunch of trainers who are out of work, some quite experienced, some, some maybe not so experienced. What are some of the, the first steps that they can take in order to start uh, maneuvering into online training? Yeah, so man, there's a lot of different things. Um, the, the first thing that we've recommended trainers do when they're out of work right now, they still have their clients that can't really do anything. The first overarching thing, which isn't as specific to online training, but it transitions is asking your clients what you can do for them right now and ensuring that they know that you're still there to help them and that you can help them. Mm -hmm. That's number one. And a lot of that starts with believing that you can and understanding that, hey, I can still deliver my services online and operating from that foundation. Mm -hmm. um, that, that initial ask of and knowledge of, hey, I'm still here for you. I can still provide services for you. I'm still an expert. I'm still in your corner. This doesn't end here, starts at all. Um, but then from there, man, it, it's, it's really a lot about of understanding what, again, what would this look like if it were easy, understanding the big boxes that you have to check, checking them in a way that makes sense for you and making that transition from nothing into something. And so these boxes are, you know, do you have a way to deliver your services? Um, this, this usually falls into a couple of different buckets, a training software, which is very straightforward. There's Trainerize, PT Distinction, my PT Hub, uh, True Coach. I mean, the, the list goes on and on. Or you can simply deliver it via Google Drive and Google Sheets. And a lot of trainers have their programming already kind of mapped out in this format. And you can simply simply deliver training that way. But the, the, the biggest kind of bucket is, yeah, how are you going to get these services to your people in the first place? Mm -hmm. um, and when you're thinking about a software and you're thinking about what route to go, again, will this look like if it were easy, it should be prominent. But you want to identify what your needs are and what you want to accomplish with this software before you even dive into what which one's going to be best for you. As with always, there's no inherent best. Um, there's going to probably be a best one for you, but 90% of the functionality of these softwares are going to be the same with, with the 10% bells and whistles. Yeah. And so if you have an understanding of, okay, I need it to do this, I, I need to be able to track this metric, I need to be able to communicate within the app, I need to be able to do this, you find a software that checks, checks those boxes, pick it, run with it. Mm -hmm. In all cases, there's going to be a free trial where you can experience it from the client and the trainer's perspective. Um, if it, if the functionality feels good, if you don't absolutely despise it, use it and go, mm -hmm. you need a way to communicate with clients. Um, you need to think about a structure on the back end that has regular communication. So obviously with in-person training, the regular communication is the sessions. Yeah. Um, that's not the case with online training. You need to have a system where you're communicating with your clients on a regular basis. This is usually weekly, usually in the form of weekly calls where, for example, on every Sunday, it's when you do your client check-in calls. It can come in the form of a check-in form where you have an automated check-in form that's sent out to clients saying, how was the week? You know, how'd you feel? Um, what went well? What do you want to change? And, and start the check-in from that form. Um, you know, this is, this is more micro now, but generally you want to be pretty structured with how you provide support and clearly communicate what the expectations are so that you're not constantly just texting or emailing clients 24-7. Mm -hmm. um, but again, when thinking about making this transition from nothing to something, those are the details that are just like, you'll figure it out later. But yeah. you need a way to communicate. Yeah. Um, you need a way to accept payments from clients. And again, so back to the communication, it can be anything. 
you want to use email great you want to use you want to use text great you want to use whatsapp you want to use facebook messenger don't overthink this right now it goes back to you want to eat you want to eat apples or oranges doesn't matter yeah. you need to eat fruit you, you need a way to communicate um you have to have a way to accept payments this can be anything this can be paypal that's what the vast majority of people use a lot of people use that right now anyway yeah and so if you have a way to deliver your programming if you have a way to communicate with your clients and you have a way to accept payments those those are the three big boxes that you need to transition simultaneously coupled with ensuring your your current people know that you're still there to help them that's kind of the launching pad for a lot of people right now to start doing something online yeah and so going back to kind of the the how you're going to deliver the service right mm -hmm. so you mentioned you can use google sheets but that would be you're creating your own templates and i'm assuming you're probably sending some sort of you know videos of the exercises so that yep. person has kind of a visual of that or even sure. just if you're really low tech maybe just pictures of the exercises um and so the benefit of using a an actual app or some other online kind of portal would be beneficial because it would have all of these kind of images and videos kind of collected. You just kind of search and put them in. Mm -hmm. And then um, you're mentioning something about tracking. So most of them are able to track a lot of uh, little indicators. So what kind of things would you want to be tracking with your, your clients that that app or the, that portal would help with? Yeah. So all the same things you track in person, you know, you want to track their, their progress on lifts, whatever metrics that you're going to use from an actual fitness standpoint, those mm -hmm. are going to be the exact same. The other big thing that you want to track with online is adherence. And okay. that's something that is easy to track in person because if they show up, great. Um, but in online, you have to, you want some mechanism where they can easily tell you, I did this workout, or you can easily see that they did the workout. Okay. Um, and usually it requires something on their end to just check this box, maybe a check-in from you saying, how's the workout today? But you need to, and again, most of the softwares will do this, but you need to see something that tells them, that tells you how often they're doing what you think they're doing or what you want them to do. And obviously this is what the check-in calls do as well. And it's, it's, it's helpful to, uh, to get inside their mind a little bit if they're not, if they're not adhering, but um, that's probably the biggest piece aside from all the basics, the normal stuff that you do that you want to be sure you're tracking. Yeah. And I know we, we talked about this um, a, a few days ago when we actually had a, our call and it's one mm -hmm. of the notes that we have, but I just figured we might as well continue. So you got a client, let's say you, you've already kind of put them online and you notice that their adherence is down or they're not having the results that you're really looking for or that they're looking mm -hmm. for. Mm -hmm. How do you deal with mindset with an online? Cause it's a little bit like it's, it's different than in a per, in person. Sure. So how do you deal with that with an online client? Man, it's it's such a great question. And this is a conversation I have with students all the time. I'll, you know, I'll have a call and, and they'll say, my client hasn't responded to me in three weeks. They've been ghosting me. I, I don't even know if they've been doing the workouts, blah, blah, blah. Once you get to that point, it's really challenging. Mm -hmm. It's hard to unwind that and, and get them on the right path. It's, it, it's possible. But a lot of the work, as we kind of discussed before, is done before they even start your program in the first place. A lot of the value that you're going to get in terms of mindset is taking control of their expectations before they have a chance to let their own thoughts run wild and before they have a chance to uh, like, apply their own connotations to whatever this may be. We want to take control over that. 
Mm-hmm. And so as soon as humanly possible, once someone gets in your system, you need to have a conversation with them. You need to have the initial consultation like you would do. Maybe you do an assessment on that. But the, the biggest piece that you want to accomplish there is ensuring that we're taking control over how they're viewing this process. We need to communicate with them the importance of adherence and the importance of communicating with me. And you know, you're know, you going to have moments where you don't want to do this or, or, or you're going to feel like you're, you're not getting the results that you want or you only did half a workout. And we need to take control over that and say, don't judge yourself for it. It's going to happen. Doing something is better than nothing. You know, all those same principles. Yeah. But if we let them, their mindset, think what they want to think, now we get into other, other issues. And we use that same opportunity to say, when those thoughts do arise, you know, please communicate with me. The foundation of everything here is consistency and adherence. And if there's ever anything going on in your life that's not allowing you to do that, then tell me. You know, yeah. We can work through it. We're a team here. Um, so really shaping their expectations around that side of things is really important, but also secondly, shaping their expectations around the process itself. Mm-hmm. For most clients, online training is new and yeah. they don't really understand what it's going to be. And sure, we're selling on, on these emotions and these goals and saying, we're going to help you accomplish this. And a lot of clients are like, yes, that's great. Let me do it. But then they don't fully understand what it's actually like, what the, what the systems are, what the process is like, what are they going to be doing? doing on their end in order to achieve all this stuff. Mm-hmm. And, and you don't want there to ever be a disconnect um, or ever any unknowns in that regard when they're starting your program. And so a lot of the expectation and the mindset stuff starts with getting in their mind before they have a chance to think for themselves to some extent. Yeah. And a lot- you know, a lot of people just dive in and then they try to unwind two weeks down the line once, once their client says, for instance, man, if someone reaches out to us in the OTA and says, I hate the course, I want a refund. It's really hard if they're already at that point to say, let's, let's take a step back and talk about this. Their mind's already made up. Yeah. And same exact thing with the client. If they say, I'm not seeing results, I'm miserable. Sure. You can certainly have a hard to heart conversation. You can try to dig a little bit deeper, see what's going on but it's really hard once their mind is already made up, the work needs to be done before that. Mm-hmm. I, I find that even in in-person training, the amount of clients who start coming for the first three, four five weeks, maybe even six weeks. And then all of a sudden, like, cause you know, everything works for about six weeks, right? No matter what you do with a client, <laughs> right. everything works for about six weeks. Yeah. And that's when they start to see the plateau. And that's when a good trainer is able to know that at six weeks, something's going to start to change. So they start modifying before that. But I find a lot of trainers don't even, even in person, don't lay though that foundation of this is what you're going to expect. This is how it's going to feel. This is, you know, you're going to lose motivation. You're going to have this and trying to almost shift them from that fixed mindset to a growth mindset. Like you want to be able to try new things and you're going to learn from them. You're going to fail along this process and that's okay we right. just kind of modify and we move on. That's actually positive. I mean, hmm. getting them to see that as a positive thing. We, we label failure and plateaus and lack of motivation and whatever it may be as inherently negative things. And if we're able to take control over how they're thinking, because for most clients, they're kind of coming to us with a clean slate. They don't really know what to think. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and yeah, man, absolutely. I mean, the fact that you hit a plateau means that it's been working for this long. That's really positive. You yeah. know, when that inevitably happens, don't view it as a negative. Here's what this means. Here's why you should feel great about that. And if we're able to get them, because we as trainers, we, we know all this already. 
Yeah. And so it's, it's can be challenging to actually communicate it because it, it's almost common sense. <laughs> you know, it's almost like, well, of course they know this, but they really don't. Yeah. And so if we're able to get them as close as humanly possible to think like we do and value the things that we do, because in, in the trainer conversations, we say, oh man, it's all about adherence. You know, if, if, if you don't adhere to anything, then absolutely nothing else matters. It's all about this, 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 and this. And our clients are coming in with a completely different mindset. And then if we're going down those two different paths, there's going to be an inherent disconnect at some point in time. So yeah. getting them to think like we do as early as possible is really the name of the game when it comes to their mindset throughout the entire thing. Yeah. Yeah. So I think uh, hopefully listeners are starting to realize that, that transitioning clients, even before all this happened, transitioning clients from in-person to online isn't as hard as we maybe build it up to be in our own minds. You mentioned something interesting offline about hybrid training, that a lot of mm. trainers still want to maintain kind of that, that personal, that in-person feel, sure. but not have to, you know, as, as you said earlier, not have to trade dollars for, for hours. So how does the hybrid training, so I would assume that might be a first step for a lot of people when they're first getting into, because they're going to want to use the clients that they already have. So how does that work? Sure. How would they set that up and start transitioning their own clients that they have right now? Yeah. So a hybrid model really can, can manifest in a couple of different ways. It can either be kind of two parallel businesses where you have your in-person clients and you also have your online clients and, and, and they're running in a parallel way. Traditionally though, and what more people do is you have one client and you see them in person sometimes every so often, but the majority of their work is done offline. So you're able, you're kind of able to take advantage of the best of both worlds there to some extent. Um, mm -hmm. And really when it comes to thinking about, should I implement this hybrid model? How should I implement this hybrid model? Um, I'll definitely get into specifics, but it starts with understanding what is the best of both worlds? Yeah. Who would benefit from a hybrid model? You know, obviously a huge benefit of remote training is a flexibility standpoint, a cost effectiveness standpoint. You know, the clients are able to work out on their own time wherever they would like. Um, you are able to work with a client in person while you have a hybrid client working online. Um, but also in the same vein, you're able to see them once a week, once a month, whatever it may be. And you're able to take advantage of the in-person environment where you might say, okay, I'm going to, I'm going to introduce new exercises during our in-person sessions. Mm -hmm. I'm going to check form during our in-person sessions. I'm going to, I'm going to answer any sort of important questions that are just sort of easier to discuss in person. Um, and obviously a huge benefit of the in-person environment is that reactive environment where you can check form a lot more efficiently. Yeah. And so a lot of it starts with when you're making that transition, having the understanding so you can communicate to your current clients, hey, here's how this model is going to benefit you and help you achieve what you want to achieve even better than what you're doing right now because of ABCD. Mm -hmm. So that's where it all kind of starts. Um, once you're able to get them on board, it's, it's, now it's the easy part. Yeah. Now you take those principles that we discussed with online training, you basically push them out full force but then you have a structure um, where you see them in person every so often to take advantage of those in-person things that you won't necessarily have to do online. In a hybrid model, you won't necessarily have as many form check videos because you have an hour session where you're checking form and showing them new exercises and getting them on the same page. Yeah. So the process, once you kind of get your clients on board and start to deliver it is very similar, except the things that we discuss in part one that you have to be a lot more purposeful about 
isn't as crucial because you have those in-person sessions. Yeah. So I want to take a kind of step to the side a little bit, like a little bit of a different approach here. So we, we often look at assessments as being something that's like delivering a program online, mm. relatively simple. The sure. assessment piece though, outside of form check videos, which, you know, client does the exercise, films it on their phone or a computer or something. And you basically look at it, see how the form is, you know, it's a spine breaking and a squat as a butt tucking under, they sure. knees falling and whatever it is. But the actual initial assessment is, can be difficult specifically if we want to get a whole lot of information, right? Like we sometimes spend, you know, hour and a half and an in-person mm. doing a very detailed assessment and I'm there, I'm able to give a lot of instructions. So you have to simplify the online assessment in order to get the information you want and not have it, you know, take your client five hours to do their assessment, <laughs> right? Because right? right. you're not actually necessarily for the whole thing doing all like walking them through it all right it's a it's a form or it's a sheet or something that you give them so how right. do you guys how would you suggest a, a trainer structure that that assessment to be the best with regards to um like efficiency yeah so it certainly takes some thought around what what's going to give me the most information from an assessment standpoint that i can focus on um, what is going to be the one to three assessments that, because you certainly don't want to overwhelm your clients. If it's, it's already going to be a semi-challenging process to, so let's take an overhead squat assessment, for example. I mean, if, if, if we want our clients to do that and we feel that gives us the information that we need in order to tell us, are they even fit to train with us? What imbalances do I have to consider, et cetera, et cetera even that in and of itself, as easy as it could be in person, it has to be a lot more purposeful on the back end where we are outlining every single thing that we just have in our heads, but now they have to do it by themselves. And so something seemingly so simple from the in-person standpoint is gonna be a lot in terms of what we're asking our clients to do in the online standpoint. Mm -hmm. And so really thinking about, you know, what are one to three assessments that will, will, will give me the bulk of the information that I need but that will still keep it simple as possible for the clients. That's, that's the first line of thinking to kind of put this through. And of course, this is going to be different for every single person, depending on who you're working with. Yeah. Um, but then, you know, there's, there's kind of two other pieces. The, the other piece, which I've touched on a bunch is it, it needs to be unbelievably clear from the trainer standpoint, what the client needs to do. There, there can't be any unknowns as soon as you send them the instructions, they shouldn't have a ton of questions. It, it needs to be as simple and clear and easy as possible so that when you get what you need back, you can do what you need to do. Mm -hmm. The last thing you want is for you to get something back and you're like, oh, this doesn't tell me what I want and have them redo it. And so yeah. that, that takes a lot of thought on the back end. Then I think the other thing to keep in mind, especially with ongoing assessments, is this idea of reliability over validity. Um, and I think this applies to in-person training as well, but even amplified in the online space. It's, it's, it's more important that your assessments are reliable in the sense that you can track growth. And it's less important that you have assessments that are valid in terms of this number is absolutely accurate. Yeah. You know, if you test someone's body fat percentage and it doesn't give you the perfect number, if there's a one to 2% variance, but you use that same method over the next six months and it's a reliable method that will show you where you're growing and where you're not, that's more important than trying to, trying to get your clients to comply to this method that 
will give you the perfect valid number. Mm -hmm. um, and a lot of people who come to us are used to that validity because it's a lot easier to accomplish in person. It really is. Yeah. And so when you're shifting online, sure, it's, it's important. You know, you definitely don't want to be way off. You don't want to have, you don't want to put something together that's, that's not going to give you anywhere close to what's accurate. But where the ongoing assessments become valuable is tracking growth. Yeah. Um, so it's kind of those three pieces to keep in mind. And of course, with the initial assessment, this can be even done live. Um, mm. This can be your, your first initial consultation can be the expectations piece that we talked about and building rapport, et cetera, et cetera, as you do. But you can also have them perform an assessment live with you so you can take advantage of that reactive environment. Mm -hmm. No matter what path you take, though, setting their expectations up is, is what's important. They need to yeah. know what they're getting themselves into on that initial call if that's the route that you want to go. That's really where a lot of the problems lie. Because the thing is, man, people who are transitioning online from in-person, they're good trainers. You yeah. know, they, 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 the vast majority of the time, they don't need to be taught how to train people. They know what to do once they get that overhead squat assessment video to them. They, they can dissect it perfectly. Yeah. It's what they do beforehand and the lens that they're looking through when they're thinking what's important with this, that's where they falter. Yeah. Yeah. I like the, that comparison. Even when I, I speak with new trainers about assessments and I, and I bring up that most gyms, uh, you know, obviously in person, but most gyms will have like a bioelectric impedance analysis machine. Right. And they're like, well, how accurate is it? And I'm like, don't worry about that. If you do it at the same time, same hydration, same clothes, whatever, like you can track the change, you know, at least to give you a general idea what direction it's going, right? Is it the most right. accurate machine in the world? Not a chance, <laughs> right? but it's but not that important. Yeah. And so it, that changes, that kind of changes things even more when you look online, it's like, well, do I have, you know, the ability to maybe do some circumference measurements that I can just give very, very easy locations to do? Right. And then can I find a way of kind of adapting that maybe into a body fat percent or something with weight added in there and height and all that kind of stuff? Right? Exactly. So do and the thinking should be, you know, not, oh, what's the best way to track body fat percentage or what's the, what are the best places to do circumference measurements or whatever it may be, it should be, okay, I, I definitely want to do this. And this is almost thinking in person or online is irrelevant at this point. It's like, okay, I want to do this assessment. Great. Great. That's my personal trainer mind thinking it's, it's genius. Got it. Yeah. Now where the problem is, is how can I take what I want to do and make it so damn simple for the client and easy for them that will still give me the information I want, but how can I take that and create zero unknown so that they can get me the information I need. Yeah. That's where so much of the barrier is. Yeah. Yeah. That's awesome. Um, so do you, when you're working with clients at the, sorry, I guess trainers at the online trader Academy mm -hmm. and you're kind of helping them with their own assessments, do you allow them to kind of think through it and build it themselves? Like then do you use ones that they want to use or do you, guys typically offer or or suggest specific assessments both um, okay. so a lot of how the OTA works is we paint many different paths for people we say here are kind of potential options so we have a whole chapter on assessments yep. and and in that chapter it's like here are the here are the guiding principles you need to know 
here are all the possibilities that you could use. Now it's up to you and also up to the coaches. We have eight, we have eight coaches who are graduates of the program who are doing really well in their own businesses who now coach with me. Mm -hmm. um, and so a lot of the OTAs, yeah, here are the principles. Now, how can we take these principles and apply it to your own situation? And we definitely take the approach, <clears throat> excuse me, of you know your clients and your situation better than us. You yeah. know, don't, don't allow us to, um, to tell you, oh, this is what's best for your people. Where we, uh, where our value is, is here's what you need to be thinking about. Here's what you shouldn't be thinking about is probably more of what we talk about. Mm -hmm. um, here are the boxes you need to check. Now let's brainstorm and figure out how we can check these boxes in a way that makes sense for you specifically. Mm -hmm. um, because man, so many people when they get into this, and, and this is more of a more of a foundational principle thing, but it applies here as well. It's like they look to what other people are doing and they think, okay, it's working for them. It's going to work for me. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, that's a shot in the dark. Um, <laughs> until you understand what your needs are and what your people need, what someone else is doing is almost irrelevant. Um, yeah. If you understand your own needs and then you look for inspiration elsewhere, then you can understand, is it going to fit in? Yeah. Um, but to go, that is your first line of defense, which a lot of students, when they come to us, um, that's their line of thinking. Yeah. And so we, we certainly, certainly take the approach of every single coach in the OTA knows their specific situation better than us. We know the path better than anyone else. Mm -hmm. And now we like to marry those things and say, here are the boxes you need to check. Help me understand your people and what you want to accomplish so that we can check these boxes in a way that's actually applicable. Awesome. Well, this has been a great conversation. Honestly, I, I bet we could just keep going and going and going because I have so many <laughs> no questions um, about just kind of the online training realm as it is. So I want to do something quickly that I do at the end of every podcast. I want to ask, mm. kind of do a little bit of a lightning round with you. So it's just three quick questions mm. and just the first thing that comes to mind. So yeah. the first thing is uh, the top three books that you've read on any topic. Ooh, on any topic. See, that's, that's, that's where it gets tough. Um, okay, I would, say, I would say The Third Alternative by Stephen Covey was a really foundational one for me. I would say um, Six Years by Harlan Coben, which is completely fiction. Um, it's, a, it's a mystery. I'm not the biggest reader in the entire world as, yeah. as far as like reading novels goes, but that book, it, it hooked me into the world of novels. Mm. I, I literally, I could not put it down. I had to finish it and I was like, oh, so this is what people say when they get into novels. Like I never fully grasped it. Yeah. Um, so that, that was a, that was a transformational one for me. Um, <laughs> you know, the, the I, I think the third one would be, have you heard of the, um, the teacher from the black lagoon series? Yeah, yeah. Dude, that was a, I'm saying this is my number three for the pure fact that that was such a foundational piece of my childhood. That what got, that's what got me interested in sitting down and reading in the first place. Mm -hmm. I have like every single one of those books. I think there's so many of them. I went to go meet the author. Like that was such a big part of my childhood and positioned my mind into like, reading's pretty cool. Yeah. <laughs> so that's what I would say. Yeah. Awesome. Uh, so next one, top three mentors along your journey thus far. And, and they can be people you've met, not met, alive, not alive. Yeah. Yeah, it's a really good question. Um, so certainly Jonathan Goodman of the PTDC. I mean, 
he's he's been a great mentor for me for the last man seven years or so um just just a real visionary in terms of how he thinks and and how he communicates and how he can take such complex matters and 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 communicate it in such a simple way he's been a really big mentor for me um i would say tim henriquez is another mentor of mine he's who i he's actually who initially got me into the fitness space in general i actually started out as a journalism major and i was a sports writer back way back in high school i wrote for a couple of magazines and stuff and um i didn't really love it but i you know i just i love writing i love fitness sure but Tim actually reached out to me and said, hey, you know, I heard you were, you were thinking about going into fitness. Like, I just wanted to let you know, like, there's actually careers in this space. Um, you know, there, you can actually do this as a job. And at mm -hmm. the time I was like, oh, I can, I can do fitness as, as work, great. <laughs> um, and then he's been, you know, I worked at the National Personal Training Institute in DC under him. And, and he's just been a really, really good um, really solid mentor in the, from the fitness side of things. The third mentor, man, that's, that's, that's really interesting. Um, you know, it's funny. I'll probably say Bruce Patterson, and this is, he's not even a fitness guy whatsoever. He's a marketing manager at Intel. Mm -hmm. Um, and we have a brunch every single month and he's been a really amazing business mentor for me. He's, he's, he's such a good listener and he's able to dissect problems really really well and help me think in a new way and see things in a new way that that no one else has done and so that ongoing relationship has been has been really impactful awesome and then the last one is what would alex of today say to 20 year old alex mm. Mm. man i love that question really makes you think um i would say don't get frazzled if <laughs> your plans don't come to fruition. If you have to pivot, view it as a positive. And also in that same vein, don't, don't be so rigid in, in your plans and think more of the overarching big picture and don't get so stuck on one specific path. Plans are always going to change. You know, I'm, yeah. I'm very much a planner. I like going, you know, I, I like ex expecting things to work. I like knowing what's going to happen be okay with not knowing what's going to happen. Be okay with failure. Be okay if you go down a path for four months and you realize it's not working. Be comfortable with saying, okay, I'm going to stop and pivot. Mm -hmm. um, I know a lot of people, including myself, we hate that. And that's probably the biggest area that I've grown um, since then. And that's exactly what I would tell my 20 year old self. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The future is going to wreak havoc on your best laid plans, right? So exactly. Exactly. Always. So speaking about pivoting, uh, we're running out of time. So where can the listeners find out more about you, about the Online Trader Academy, about um, you know, what you guys do at the PTDC? Yeah, so for the PTDC, you know, theptdc.com is, is where all of our information lives, the PTDC on Instagram and Facebook. Um, you can definitely connect with us there. We have a Facebook group called Online Trainers Unite, which is basically where we talk online training and, and, and we share a lot of insights. Um, and it's just a really good like-minded community of people who are kind of wanting to do the same things. Um, we have our founding client challenge as well for anyone who's like really looking to make that transition in terms of, well, I, I, I am a trainer and I literally don't know where to start. Oftentimes starting to get clients is the first step. So that's certainly there. Um, 
And then me personally, I'm Alex Cartmel. You can find Alex Cartmel on Instagram, on Facebook. Always happy to connect with people via social media and answer questions and and just and just network. Um, so yeah, man, that's about it. And once you go to the PTDC site, you can find the Online Trainer Academy. You can search the Online Trainer Academy and Google, it'll pop up. And um, certainly under the umbrella of the PTDC, but a, but a completely different beast within our system. So yeah. Awesome. So for all the listeners, uh, if you have a chance to, um, or you're looking to get into online training, honestly, these guys are amazing. They've got a lot of great stuff. Um, I know John's written a lot of, uh, a few different books that uh, he has available as well. So um, definitely give those a read. Thanks a lot, Alex, for coming on. It's been a pleasure to chat with you and get a whole host of it. I've written way too many notes. Like I, <laughs> I wanted to move my mic, but I was scared about the sound it was going to make. <laughs> um, but thanks a lot for coming on. It's been a pleasure just chatting with you. Yeah, really happy to do that. I'm, thanks so much for having me on, man. Appreciate yeah. it. State of the Industry Podcast. I'll be back.